Welcome back, Quest for you, fans and friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of this podcast that is here to inspire and motivate you to become your best self. And today, this is probably most true because I come to you with another interview, and you are really in for a treat today. If it is your mission to make changes in your life, if you want to get from a place of stagnation, status quo, to just up-level your life a little bit in whatever area is on your mind, then today is your day. You will really get some amazing ideas, inspiration and actionable items out of my interview with Dave Conley. Dave is a great friend of mine who has an amazing quest story that we touch on in this interview. Most importantly, you're going to get some really helpful advice from Dave. Dave helps people get unstuck. People that have accomplished major things in their lives, but yet still don't feel like they have it all. And to have it all, which you will hear in this interview, it requires going back to the basics. We talk about food. We talk about movement, sleep, and meditation. Those are four key pillars that are critical for Dave's life and well-being and that he passes on to the people that he helps with so that they also can live a happy and fulfilled life. These are the areas that I also touch on quite a bit in this podcast. Dave literally started over at a point in his life where he was forced to let go. And it is often these dramatic events in our life that make us reflect. But what is so fascinating to me is that it all comes back to the basic things that we sadly have somehow neglected because we either have turned them on autopilot so we don't pay attention to them or we don't deem them important. So they get pushed to the side, they get kind of put at the back burner. We don't worry about sleep so much because we don't have time. We have more important things to do. We just kind of gobble down whatever food comes our way. We exercise now and then, but we're not really consistent. And let's not even touch on meditation. We sacrifice the basics in order to accomplish bigger things. And yet, when the bigger things crumble, we get back to basics. Because it's the basics that sustain us not only sustain us, but also help us become our best self. Because it's the basics that make everything else happen in our life. And you will hear this very clearly from Dave. How happy he is now because he pays attention to the basics. So I hope you get as much value out of this interview as I did. When I talked to Dave in San Francisco where we met on a beautiful Sunday morning and... I really encourage you to take a couple of these tidbits that he shares and maybe start implementing them. It is the time of goals and New Year's resolutions. It's a time of reflection. And he encourages us to do just that. Enjoy. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Much love. Hi, Dave. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for inviting me to your beautiful place here in San Francisco. Mm, my pleasure. I always love coming to San Francisco. I never do much, but when I have the chance, I like coming here, especially on a weekend when there is no traffic. <laughs> plenty of parking. <laughs> and plenty of parking, that is right. Okay. So you and I, we met through the HPS we speaking did. program. Mm -hmm. And as I was thinking about it today in the morning... I realized I connected with you over food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, say more about that. Because <laughs> that's the best way to connect with someone, right? Like break bread and talk about food. Like we all need food. Like exactly. food's awesome. Exactly. But yeah. I recall that you brought specific food yeah. to HPS. I, I, I remember seeing avocados and nuts. Mm -hmm. You went to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, so you didn't have to rely on the packaged food and the restaurant food that we had around us. Yeah, And you even did some grocery shopping for me, which I much appreciated. <laughs> but this immediately told me that you live very consciously. 
and that you make deliberate decisions. You don't let others or your environment make the decisions for you. Yeah. Tell me more about the importance of making good choices in your life. Mm. Well, uh, thank you for noticing the food thing. That's um, I feel I feel quite good about that because that it feels like I'm I'm modeling the behavior that I want to see in the world, and it's I'm also very self conscious about it because people really notice when you eat something or if you're a little bit different. You know, they were like, "What's that?" Like when people really like, really notice what I'm eating, I get a little self conscious of like, well, "I just I'm just it's a salad." I, it, you know, <laughs> go away. <laughs> Would you like me to? make you a salad. <laughs> so, um, and I think that that's sort of my, my, my first lesson to myself is that it's your meat suit. Like it's you, right? Like it's yours. Nobody else is going to really take care of you as, uh, consciously, um, and as thoroughly as you can for yourself. And that's, that's sort of the first lesson for me of, of really understanding how, I want to be in the world and that consciously really making sure that in particular the food that I put in my body is so important mm -hmm. uh, for everything else for me to fall into place. Um, you know, not to say that you can't eat sort of whatever you want, but you also have to eat really how is going to best carry you in all aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. And that is a deliberate choice because there are so many things that are working against you in order to really kind of throw you off and really create outcomes that are probably pretty unintentional for most people. And food, I realize, is, yeah, if I don't eat well, it affects my performance and everything. Mm -hmm. And so often food is just kind of there, put in front of us. Right. And we tend to just eat whatever is there, mm -hmm. i.e. not making a deliberate choice. Yep. And only after I consume it, I realize, oh, this, this wasn't good for me. I feel sluggish now. I feel mm -hmm. tired. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of things start with food and making good choices about food. When it gets down to it, it's, it's, it's seemingly one of the more complicated things that we do, but also the easiest one because you have to do it all the time, mm -hmm. all the time, right? You can't yeah. just say, I've been eating all my life. I'm done now. <laughs> right? <Great. laughs> like you have to keep doing it. It's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. Mm -hmm. And that's also one of the things that I like reminding uh, people is that even if you didn't make like what you believe are good choices for you, this meal, there's always the next one. Mm -hmm. There's always an opportunity to eat really well the next time. No one ever regretted eating well. It's like, oh, I really regretted eating well today. Nobody said that. Mm -hmm. So you have the opportunity every single time that you open up your pie hole. Is there a specific diet you follow or strategy when it comes to food that you that is important to you? The way my body and the way that, that I uh, metabolize things is probably very different than most people. If you and I ate the same things, I might have a pretty different result, only because for most of my life I was very overweight, very out of shape. And so how my body processes food, how my body uh, uses those nutrients is different. And I pay a lot of attention to that. I run... Uh, blood work uh, on a pretty uh, consistent basis. And when I'm really paying attention to it, I'm doing uh, finger sticks and things uh, on a daily or even uh, more than uh, one uh, once a day. Now, I do not recommend that to anyone because I'm just a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as what I eat and what I, I don't eat, I, I honestly don't recommend it either for my clients or for what I do for myself in some ways because... I'm always sort of tweaking and experimenting and seeing how food reacts with me. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that we are both fairly easy, dumb monkeys um, when it comes to our food because we can process so many different things. And we're incredibly complex in how we eat, how much we eat, when we eat, the things and the nutrients that we do take into our body, what our body is calling for, and even how we metabolize certain things. I have worked with people in who eat many, many different ways and have been able to dial in a way that works for them to not only eat consistently, 
uh, for the rest of their life, but also in a healthy way. And it turns out every single one of my clients has been a little bit different. And mm-hmm. that's what's so fun about eating. Eating's supposed to be fun, right? <laughs> you know? Supposed to enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, But I think we often mistakenly think enjoyment means gorging on, you know, mm-hmm. bad foods. Mm-hmm. To me, that over the year has lost the attraction because now I look at those foods and they look good, but I already know they're not going to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. So now I'm more in tune with what I know makes me feel good, mm. which is often very simple, plain foods yeah. like, you know, my chicken, my salads, whatever. Everybody has their own, but... I think we eat very similarly in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The connection over food. <laughs> right, the connection over food. So you have this phrase, and which I remember was the title of your speech and maybe even of your book that you're working on, Hijack Your Habits. What does that mean? Most of our behavior is based on unconscious habits and how we feel, meaning if we feel a certain way, we're going to do something. Mm -hmm. And if we do a certain thing, we're going to feel it. That's pretty much how we work as far as human beings go. And it's incredibly efficient. Over a million years of evolution, we've honed this capability of having most of our world completely taken care of uh, so that we can focus specifically on decision making. If we had to think about how to do everything, we would be losing our minds, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, I don't have to think about beating my heart. I don't have to think about getting hungry. I don't have to think about brushing my teeth or driving driving a car, car, right? (laughs) You don't have to think about all those things, right? They just happen. Yep. Because it's efficient. Um, evolution made a lot of sense. It said, hey, you know what? We're going to take care of most of this for you. We're going to put it in the in the background. We're going to just like make this stuff happen so that you can do the important thing of what are the decisions that you have to make day in and day out. And those are habits mm-hmm. or uh, things that are running in your subconscious. Now, the trick is and the thing that really works against us is that when those habits are taking care of something that we don't want to consciously happen, there's a conflict. Often that shows up in food. Mm. Uh, and that's the unconsciously eating, sitting in front of a screen or reading a book or even talking with a friend and not even remembering what the meal is that you threw down. It happens to everyone. Totally. Where you just like, oh, you know, it's just like you ate, right? Mm-hmm. If I didn't sort of eat almost the exact same thing most meals, I probably wouldn't remember most of them because I'm distracted on the computer or right. talking with someone. That's an unconscious habit that if you want to change, you have to consciously think about. So that's what hijacking habits means. Taking something that you're already doing, changing how you feel about it, uh, and changing it in slow, deliberate ways, not big ways, but slow, deliberate ways in order to start evolving that habit. When somebody starts a, a new year, you know, you'll get... Um, We're right around the corner. Right? <laughs> you'll get all, like, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to, like, I want to go to the gym, and I want to get in shape, and I wanna, like these big, big things. And like, well, you know, the previous 10, 15, 30, 40 years, you didn't get what you wanted, but you do want it now. So what's going to be different this time? Mm -hmm. The difference can be this, making small deliberate changes rather than these big, I'm going to go to the gym six days a week and I'm going to be ripped by March. Well, by the time you get to March, you're going to be so disappointed and so beaten down and you're like, "Ah, I'm not doing this anymore. Well, okay. So how can we get little small wins for you so that you are making better choices in small, deliberate ways? Who I was a year ago is dramatically different than who I am today. Ten years ago, I don't even recognize myself. Mm -hmm. So every day, I am slightly different than how I was just yesterday. But because you're making a choice. Choice. I think a lot of people stay the same for many years. For sure. Because they don't make a choice to be different. Right. But yes, I I am completely with you and I love what you're saying. I talk a lot about habits and decisions to change those habits Mm -hmm. one small step at a time on my podcast. And that's how my changes have been. They're Mm -hmm. small. I'm still waiting to be ripped. 
<laughs> but I feel like I'm working towards it every day, just a little bit. And of course, we also know. make. You look do. really good. I don't, you know. <laughs> Not ripped yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> we always take a few steps back. It's just, it's part of life. So I want to hear from you talking about habits. Yeah. What are some, and you don't have to mention all, but what are some key habits that are critical for your personal well-being? Mm. We talked about food. Food's big. And most of the time, food isn't really a struggle for me. Uh, like it had been for many, many years. Because when I don't eat particularly well, I just don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you really hit on it. It's like, well, you now know that when you actually even see the food, you know it's not even going to be good for you. That's a linkage that most people don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly important. So eating well is one of those things. And for me, there isn't a one diet that works for everyone. And I don't believe in diets. I just believe in consistently eating well over time. And for me, that's mostly avoiding any kind of refined sugars, any kind of treats like that, uh, and treating them as just treats. Those, you know, just there's no way of eating on the planet that says to eat sugar. Um, That's pretty much consistent across the board. Mm Other uh, things that are sort of non-negotiable for me is is uh, getting exercise. And for me and my clients, it's making very deliberate small choices on how exercise is going to work for you and your, your life. Uh, for me, I, I go to the gym and I like lifting heavy things and that works out for, for me. That was not the case for many, 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 many years. So the small changes made a big difference. Everything from... In San Francisco, I don't own a car, so I walk a lot of places. I have movement built into my life. I sit a long time at computers, and so standing at, at computers, and everybody can do that. Next time you get a box from from uh, from Amazon, keep the box. You can just put your computer on top of it and stand right there. Yep. Deliberately putting movement into your life because we live such sedentary lives. We spent most of our existence moving. You know, for a million years, we had to move. This is the first time in history, uh, just in the last hundred years, where we've basically been able to sit on our ass and have food delivered to us. Sleep. Everybody who has problems with eating, in my experience, also has problems sleeping. Mm-hmm. And sleeping for me is, is the number one thing. And so everything I do, I just moved into this apartment that we're in right now. And uh, among the first things I did was put up blackout curtains. Awesome. Uh, uh, That was an immediate thing. I I didn't even think about it. It's like I'm putting up blackout curtains now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So sleep is huge for me. I went from uh, not having any furniture to making sure that the first thing I bought was a great bed. Yeah. One of the most important pieces of furniture you can own. Everything else is secondary. Right. You know, but the bed, you spend eight hours or whatever long you sleep of your day every day in bed. So it's better be good. And and finally, just meditation. Uh, So those, this, this, these four things make my life magic and very much at the center of my universe. If you can, if you can master your sleep, that's number one. If you can get some decent food down you, uh, if you can get some movement into your life, and if you notice your life, uh, then you're going to have a pretty, pretty banging life. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Dave, these four things you just mentioned, yeah. how did they come about? I know of a dramatic event that happened in your life. Mm-hmm. And that I would love for you to share if you want to share it. Mm-hmm. Was that also the event that triggered those changes or have you always lived this way? Thank you for the question. And it's, it's, it's a, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of load this with saying it's a little bit complicated. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. I had this big event in my life. I was a senior technology executive in a job that I just hated. I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I weighed 330 pounds. I was just a hot, hot mess. And my wife of 13 years, she caught a cold. And within a few days, I ended up turning off life support on her. This was this huge, crazy event. And let's put this in context. The context is is these crazy events, loss, death, 
they are a part of our lives. They happen every single day. There are many, many people in San Francisco that didn't make it through the night last night. Uh, this is a natural part of how things work. Mm-hmm. In 2020 hindsight and looking at that event, what I know is true is that I always had it in me to make the changes and choose how I wanted to live. It didn't take an event. And I wouldn't wish those kind of weird events on people to say, hey, I'm Dave. I I know the secrets of the universe now that I had something crappy happen to me. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would never, ever say that. I always had it in me. Uh, And in fact, it wasn't that I... um, didn't have the skills or the knowledge or anything. It was me that was standing in front of my way. And it was only because I was slammed into a situation where I had to consciously make choices because I was so flooded with grief and sadness and distress that I had to consciously make choices that I realized that I always had that ability to make conscious choices. But it took, it took an event to kind of disrupt your life Mm -hmm. in a moment of time. Yeah. And I think that's what happens for a lot of people that we're just kind of going about our days and our lives without reflecting much of, mm-hmm. you know, what we have, what you mentioned we have within us all the time. Yeah. But I believe you gained an incredible amount of insight with that event that I don't want to say makes you now the expert on it, but <laughs> I think to a degree, yes, because mm. you took the time whether it was forced or not forced, but you took the time to reflect on what it is that you are actually capable of doing with your life. So it does make you credible because a lot of us don't do that. So what were some of the um, insights that you gained as you were going through this grief? What did you realize? Thank you for calling me an expert. I wouldn't say I... I am not an expert because I had something crappy happen. Uh, I'm an expert in what I do because I noticed, realized what was so important in my life. Uh, It wasn't the billion dollar budget or hundreds of people that were working for me. It wasn't the big title job with the money. It wasn't really even my friends or family or the house that I lived in in the suburbs. None of those things, those accomplishments, when it got down to it, when it got down to brass tacks, they were pretty meaningless because they didn't pick me up off the floor. They didn't have me make different choices. That was me. Yep. I had to do that. And I had to make those choices. And the magic of all of this is not only did I always have that capability, that, that blessing, as it were, when something bad happened to me, I used that energy to change my life. It is my cautionary tale to say to everyone, you don't need something crappy to happen to you. You have the choice right now. Yep. What's so easy about my life right now and what has been so easy for uh, a couple of years now is really sitting back and saying to myself, what do I want? And that turns out to be a really big question for people. Mm-hmm. You're not often asked, hey, what do you want? What would you like? Uh, other than at, sitting at a, at a restaurant, there's not often that you get that question that you really, really say, okay, what is it that you want? That's changed my life because it actually makes my life pretty easy. What would I want? And it's like, I, I know what I want on any given point. And if I don't, I just ask myself that question. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to the habits that we talked mm-hmm. about. Were there specific habits that helped you get through this difficult time? Yeah. It, so I, now I can like put it underneath that umbrella of hijacking habits. But one of the habits that most people don't think about is drinking water, thirst. Like you don't have to think about it, right? Like you get thirsty and you, you, you drink water. That had completely come offline for me. Wow. Uh, I, I didn't have a sense of thirst. 
I said it a little bit earlier in that most of our behavior is based on these habits and how we feel. Well, my feeling blotted out the sun, right? Because I was, I was deep in grief. Of course. So my habits came offline. Nothing was pulling me or pushing me in any way, shape, or form. So I stopped drinking water. Wow. I stopped eating. I stopped sleeping. So like the major life functions just started popping out. Fortunately, we have one that's really, really deep inside of us, and that is the will to live. In the oldest part of our brain, the lizard, the brain stem, Mm -hmm. it only does one thing. It asks, am I alive? (laughs) What am I doing to stay alive? I want to keep staying alive. That's, That's it. That's all this thing does, stay alive. That, fortunately, was there for me. So it's like, okay, stay alive. What would I have to consciously do in order to stay alive? Drink some water. I had one of those Nalgene bottles, something you could actually see through, right? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to win this day if I drain that Nalgene bottle. There were some days that that was like a pain in the ass, but it was my win. I could do anything else or do nothing at all if I just drank that liter of water. That turned out to be a cornerstone because once you start mastering drinking water, again, this sounds ridiculous, but it is drinking water, then that started to build on itself because it felt good drinking that water. It felt good. It was nourishing and it felt good to accomplish. I could see it, right? Mm. When I started drinking water, that led to, well, I need to move a little bit and move with intention. I need to eat and eat with some intention because I had to consciously think about these things. And this was sort of the trifecta for me, drinking water, eating, moving. We talked about those earlier. The mindfulness and meditation came in later. But that trifecta started to really blossom into a world of self-development for me because that's what turned out to be the most important thing. It wasn't those jobs. It wasn't the, 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 the house. It wasn't the accomplishments. It wasn't any of those things. It was drinking water. Self-care. Self-care. Wow. So it was really about staying alive. Yeah. And your first step to keep yourself alive was not taking care of your finances or you worrying about your job. It was about... Drinking water. Drinking water. It's pretty incredible. These very basic things in life that we, like you said earlier, have automated. Mm -hmm. We don't even think about it. They're on autopilot. Those are actually, from what you shared, the most critical things. They keep us alive and well if we do them consciously. Yes, exactly. Because when those things inevitably don't go our way, meaning when our body starts to fail us, it will definitely grab our attention. (laughs) For sure. 100% of the time. And uh, it will ensure that it has, your body will ensure that it has your attention and blot out the universe of your job, your family, and everything else if you get sick enough. Because you need to be focusing on it. Now, imagine a world where you are always caring for yourself and it supports your vocation. It supports your family. It supports your, by supporting yourself. You know, you hear the phrase, if the airplane loses pressure, be sure to put your mask on first before you put on somebody else's, before you help somebody else's. Because if you lose consciousness, you can't do anything and you're done. Same idea here. Pay attention to yourself. Uh, so that you can be so much more to your family, to those that you love and love you, because and, and to your vocation, to your community, because all of those people, unless they're sociopaths, all of those people want the very best for you. So now you work with people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. You help them yeah. focus on themselves, do a little bit of self-care. What do you see most in your clients? What do they need? What do they lack? What is a common denominator? I often work with people who are quite successful in their jobs. Like you were. Yeah, right. I can speak their language. 
So if you're a, you know, executive or a meaning maker or a thought leader or whatever, like you, you have a weird, weird, interesting job, you know, like I had a weird, interesting job. And so I, I could speak that language because that's often a job of, of loneliness, uh, and isolation and an enormous amount of pressure. It's a weird combination of things that are intrinsically not really that good for you that you get satisfaction, compensation, and recognition uh, for doing it and doing it well. And so we keep on doing fairly obscene behaviors to keep on doing those things. Mm-hmm. Nobody says don't work. People say from a very early age, go, go, go work. You're supposed to go do that. So uh, I, I'm often working with these people that the number one thing is their number one thing, their job and their vocation. Because they're like, that's how they're making a difference in the world. Like, okay. And they have had something that has gone off or gone wrong, or they have a chronic condition that's getting unmanageable, or they are having something that is not working out in their lives. And it always starts with some sort of health and wellness bend. Sure, you can call me a health coach. You can call me uh, um, all of those things. Yes. And when your health goes off, you just can't do anything else. And so somebody will come to me and it's like, okay, something's off. Something's wrong. Or maybe it's just like, I'm not feeling well. You know, it's like, I'm not doing all the things that I used to do isn't working out for me anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go figure that out. And so then we put in plans in place in order to right the ship as it were. Uh, And that's often in the habits that support self-care because whatever it is that you were doing isn't working for you anymore. And even those that are exercising and believe they're eating well and all of these other things and they're still feeling like crap, that's where my expertise and the people that I work with really come to bear of like really teasing apart the human so that we can get something that not only works for somebody to support their entire lives and figuring out sometimes the crazy, complicated world of what it means to be human. We are both simple and pretty complicated. So is there any one thing that I see? No, not really. But the one solution that I see over and over again is remaining intensely curious about yourself. Yeah. The one thing I see here is that I think there is things we are not seeing. Yes. That's what brings people to you. Mm-hmm. Why? What do you think we're missing? Why are we not seeing when something is missing in our life? Are we oh. afraid? Wow. What a great question. We should write that book, right? <laughs> if we write that book, we got it, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, there's no shortage of self-help books, right? Like, there's totally. there's a new one that comes out every day. It's yeah. it's one of the biggest book types that are out there. But right? yet, but yet, we are still we still have the same problems. We all still are in the same dilemmas. I believe that that journey is actually what's important, and it's not a problem. It's a common thing for human, meaning that look. The ancient Egyptians, the Sumerians, you, you go back and rewind the tape thousands of years. They carved into walls and stamped into clay tablets the importance of self-care. So this isn't new. And if they, if they wrote it down then, it means that we were talking about it for way longer, like before written word, mm-hmm. right? So we've always been talking about self-care and we are going to keep on talking about it because it's wisdom. It's going to be repeated over and over again and it's going to be repeated long after you and I are gone. The importance of self-care because I believe that it is the journey of self-care that's important and the struggle with self-care that is important. There's something important about that for human. I don't know what it is. It's not necessarily that people aren't doing it. It's that the level that they are doing it and also the talking about it is important. How can we wake up a little earlier? Mm. Instead of waiting, we're not necessarily waiting for dramatic events, but I think we sometimes facilitate those to happen because we don't reflect. 
we don't wake up. We're just in this rut, doing what we always do. We don't take the time for self-care. And then that's usually when things happen. That's when then yeah. clients come to you yeah. and seek your help. Yeah. Well, how can we wake up earlier? What can we do? goes back to probably habits, right? It does, <laughs> right? We talk about habits. You know, until we change how we feel. Here's something that you can really do that often helps my clients. I've talked about this two-way street of habits. Mm -hmm. You feel it, you do it, you do it, you feel it. Okay? So what do you do with that? I'm like, okay, well, it turns out that the part of our brain that understands time, meaning things happening one right after another, having a clock, our internal clock, mm -hmm. is completely different part of your brain than where our imagination is and where our experiences are. They're separate things. And here's something you can do. You can use this skill of mindfulness and meditation to imagine yourself doing something that you wanted to be doing and focusing on the feelings of it. So try this out. I want to go to the gym and I want to go to the gym every day. Well, you know what? The reason you're not getting that is that there's no solid feeling around it. You are probably feeling a lot happier about staying in your warm bed than mm -hmm. getting into a car at, at, in, in the middle of what's seeming like the night <laughs> and going to a gym and lifting heavy things or sweating or whatever because that sounds like a, that doesn't even sound good as it's coming out of my mouth and I love it. <laughs> Here's something you can try. Imagine yourself going to the gym and feeling good about it. Mm. Imagine yourself with the results of feeling the gym and really visualize that, sit in it, be in a meditative state about it. Try it for a week. Mm. It'll start to slowly change how you feel. Now, the difference is that that time area that I was talking about and the experience part, your body and your mind does not know that it didn't actually happen or it hasn't actually happened yet. Mm. If you can imagine it and you can imagine the feelings, it's the same as actually doing it. Mm. So you can sit on, you, you can sit in your bed in your nice warm bed and imagine going to the gym and then getting that six pack and getting right? that six pack <laughs> and that will start to change the feelings of actually being in the gym. So it's, it's, uh, it'll start to actually draw you because you're going to want that feeling because you've already had it. Hmm. So imagining that you're doing something, it's absolutely no different than the, because you're establishing the neural pathways. It is no different than what athletes might do to visualize making a goal. Yeah. Uh, it's the same sports psychology that has gotten very popular in the last you know decade or so. Mm -hmm. It's the imagination of doing it and the actual doing it are completely the same as far as your brain goes. You're making the same neural pathways. So go do that. It sounds to me like this is also a little bit like you're priming yourself. You're mm -hmm. getting yourself on board because I think a lot of times we, we put down a goal, we put it on the calendar, yep. we say we go to the gym, but we don't have any association with this foreign thing called mm -hmm. this gym. Right. And so then the time rolls around to go to the gym. We're like, Meh. no, no. Or if you're not seeing results in like a day, right? you're like, ah, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Well, let's, let's fast forward you in time six months or a year mm -hmm. where you're feeling great, you're doing great. And then you know, that connection is the important piece. Mm -hmm. And then making small deliberate changes, mm -hmm. not imagining the six pack, but imagining how you might feel afterwards. Um, and actually uh, to add to that, what helps me with that is yep. speaking back to the six pack. That's how I use social media a little bit. Mm -hmm. I follow people that look like the way I want to look. Awesome. And I, I, you know, my friends always like, what, you want to look like her? Come on. And he's like, of course, I'm never going to look like this bikini model who is 25 years old. But if I can just get halfway there, yeah, 
I'd be happy. Yeah. But what it does for me is it inspires me. Mm. It motivates me. Yeah. And and when I see my body changing, and yes, it takes a long time, but when I see my body changing and certain muscles are popping, I'm like, yes, that mm-hmm. is. I, I start to look like this. Feels good. It feels good. Yeah. And this is what you talk about. Absolutely. The feeling and the the doing. doing. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. In if anybody has picked up one of the habit books that have gotten very popular in the last few, Duhigg or um, Atomic Habits, those kind of books, they talk about this, but they also talk about it in the sense of rote repetitiveness of it's like you've got to do something you've heard it a ton of times you have to do something 30 days or 90 days in order for it to become a habit i'm like i i actually disagree with that a bit i I believe that you can actually make habits happen much much faster if you make them small yep not the big ones make them small and if you really get into the feelings of it yeah get into the feelings of it make them small you can do anything you want i think you hit a key point there it's the feeling because Doing something for 30 days sounds like a lot of work. Right. And it, it sucks. Doesn't like, sound, yeah, it sucks. It you sucks. And then when I don't do it for the 29th day. You feel day, bad. Oh, I feel yeah. so prepared. No, you don't want that to be, you don't want to be the doing. And if you don't make it after 29 days, you now associate that feeling, that action with something negative. Totally. You're not going to go back to it. Mm-mm. That's a broken promise. That's a broken resolution. Failure. Failure. Yeah, it's a failure. Yeah. Like I'm not going to I'm I will won't put my actions up against a failing feeling. I will take quote unquote failures or not doing something as a learning opportunity mm-hmm. of how I might be able to do something a little bit different so that it is successful. So maybe it was too ambitious. If it was 29 days of doing something Mm. maybe it was just a little bit too ambitious yeah so can we get like 30 days of something that's a little bit rolled back yeah for me it was drinking water i know water amazing like how straightforward is that like you have to do it anyways right drink water so again how are we making small deliberate changes in our lives that steer your battleship your giant ship of human in small, deliberate ways so that the person that you want to become is happening in slow ways because the time's going to pass anyways, right? It's that I'm slightly different than I what I was just yesterday and a year ago, dramatically different. I put on nine pounds of muscle in a year. I would have not noticed that unless I had actually taken the measurements. I went and had the measurements done. And nine pounds at my age is crazy talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's on the on on like a professional bodybuilding building uh, sort of a regime. And I didn't think a lot about that. I wasn't you know it, it was the small changes in my behaviors that allowed me to put on a lot of muscle and strip out fat. Nine pounds, but let's talk about the 150 pounds that you lost. God, right. That is another example of small changes. I'm sure that didn't happen overnight. <laughs> no, it took <laughs> no, it took 30 years, 35 years to put it on. It's not going to come off overnight, no. Yeah, so for people listening, there is a picture of you on the website. Yeah. There's this amazing story. I remember you sharing at HPS and part of your speech is that people never really think about that you couldn't fit into an airplane seat no. which was like wow you know i don't think about it but Mm-mm. it's something that was on your mind every time you got on a plane hated flying you hated flying yeah yeah always spilling over into seats and yeah it was exhausting absolutely exhausting yeah and it, it, it's not like flying's a fun process for anyone no you know <laughs> unless unless you're in first class or in business class right like it's, it's flying is is, is uh this can be torture yeah it's pretty awful right but um, then when you're overweight it's even i can't imagine it's a million times worse because you're just spilling over in a seat you're crammed into it you're just it's it's uh, you can't even put down the the tray table it takes a crappy experience of flying and makes it torture to the point where most people uh who are overweight just don't fly Uh, I had to for my job. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I work with people who want to lose a lot of weight, if they want to lose a third or half of their bodies, at the very beginning, I I ask them to pick a date sometime in the future, usually within the year, of what they would like to do that they have not been able to do because they are overweight. 
nine times out of 10, it's go on vacation. It's to fly. Wow. And so when somebody's goal in life is to just go on vacation, I believe that says a lot as to how hard it can be to wear your problems on the outside. Hmm. Wow. I assumed this was no small feat for you to lose so much weight. I mean, I just... That takes dedication. It's more than one of you. <laughs> I, can't get, I can't even imagine it. I can't. Yeah. But yeah, I think that makes you an expert. <laughs> That's what my mentor said. I, I, when I when I first uh, started recareering into the health and wellness field, I was like, I, uh, will people pay me to do this? I'm like, yeah. And I started talking to a bunch of people in the health and wellness field and they were describing this this whole world of you know certifications and and lots of clients and all of these different programs and, and all this stuff. And my mentor gets a hold of me and he's um, Bill Courtright. He's been in the health and wellness industry for, for decades and he's you know, shared the the stage with Anthony Robbins. He's he's you know quite a you know he's he's been in the corporate space for many years, mm-hmm. uh, and is well regarded. And he said, "No, you're not going to do any of that because you're an expert in what you did because you lost the weight and you're willing to work with others in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And you were also the senior executive, so you have this this trifecta of." losing the weight, keeping it off, and being who you were, uh, that you can bring so much more. You're, there's only a few people on the planet that can say that they've done what you do, uh, have done. But plus, in the end of the day, that's what we want. We want to lose the weight. We want to get to this future date that we set. We yeah. don't care about your certificates and no. classes you took. No. I want to know how you did it. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if somebody is going to go to someone because of the certificates they have, there's lots of those people. Right. Uh, if they want to go to someone who has done the work and has fundamentally transformed their lives and ultimately is so much happier and more well-adjusted and really living the life that I could only dream of, not to say that I don't have a weird off days. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm so much happier and really am living the, the life that I want to be living. And that's what often people come to me for is like, like I'm just not happy with who I am. When who you thought you were going to be at this time of life and who you actually are are not aligned, that's often a crisis. And, and that's where somebody will knock on my door and say, hey, Let's let's try something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this time where we reflect is around the corner, New Year's. Mm-hmm. At least I do. Maybe yeah. not everyone, but For I. Sure. I think just by the events of this ending of a year, I think a lot of people start to think about who do I want to be. Another mm-hmm. year has passed. We say, right. oh, another year has passed. Well, what have you done in this year? Mm-hmm. If you're just going through the same motions and routines, and you haven't changed and you're still feeling the same way, well, then maybe you need to go seek Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of end of year, though, one thing that I'm going to ask people to do because I did it, and it really, like, opened my eyes. I want to know. Is I had actually a a particularly off Thanksgiving. So coming into the the top of, of December and the holidays, I was not in the best frame of mind. I was Mm. a little grumpy. And Mm. so like everything that was a little bit off in my world, relationships and, you know, like if if something wasn't quite working, it it just made it extra grumpy, right? It was like I was, I was, I was a bit of a grump. Now, mind you, this is, this is not the end of the universe. It was just an off few days, right? And I started reflecting on my year and the only thing I could think of was the weird, crappy Thanksgiving I had, right? And so that was sort of blotting out my universe of like, eh. But then I did this. And this was actually at the prompting of, of um, exercises from our mutual friends. And this is what I did. You got a phone. And there's two things on it that really made a big difference for me. One, I got a calendar. Uh-huh. And two, I take pictures. I just looked at all of the pictures that I did over this last 11 months. And I looked at all the calendar entries for, I just scanned, right? And I started writing down all the cool stuff I did. And I, you know, all the people that I met, 
all of the things that I did, all the places that I went. And it went from me being pissed off about Thanksgiving to like, look at the cool year I had. This was great. Just going to HPS or like that experience, that one thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to ask right now, just take a look at those things. Just to remind yourself what kind of year you had. Maybe like me, you're going to see something every two, three weeks. We're like, wow, that was cool. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to see that one thing that made a big difference for your year. Maybe it wasn't even that good of a thing. Uh, and that gives you the opportunity to say, you know what? I want this year to be different. And what are the small deliberate steps, the small deliberate steps that you're going to do in the first quarter mm -hmm. that is going to make your year everything? Because you had one this last year. It might have just happened. Just take a look at your photos. Take a look at your calendar. It will make a huge, it made a huge difference for me. I love that. That was a good Thanksgiving grateful exercise. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I actually had here in my questions to ask you, do you have times where you fall back or you sink a little, which I mm -hmm. think we all do. Mm -hmm. And you just, you just answer that by oh, for sure. sharing, you find something small to get yourself back out of it. Something small. If I'm not making it to the gym, if I'm not making the best choices on what I'm eating, if I'm skip some days, you know, uh, doing mindfulness or, uh, you know, meditating, there will actually be times where the, habits that you do are simply not possible. Exercising on a plane is a pain in the ass. It's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So there's going to be times or there's going to be times where you just don't feel it. Recognizing that there are small things that I could do in order to get back onto things. Mm -hmm. Usually the, the, the big canary in the coal mines for me, the, the early things are I isolate myself so I stop, you know, talking to friends, I'll stop going out, I'll stop, so I'll sort of, I'll sort of cocoon mm -hmm. and my sleep will go to hell. And those two things together really start to cascade into other things. So then it's about like, how are the, what are the practices and the things that I'm going to do in order to get my, my sleep back straight? For me, it might be like, I'm not that big of a drinker to begin with, but I've, if I've had wine uh, a, a few nights in a row, then I'm going to cut that out because I know it interrupts my mm. sleep. Yeah, it's just such a small thing. But you know what? Four or five days of interrupted sleep and I'm sort of a shit show, oh, yeah. uh, you know, by the weekend and there's no catching up. And so you're in this constant deficit and it's like, well, you don't want to get up and go to the gym because your sleep's all screwed. So, you know, we're, we're an interconnected animal. All of these things come together in, in this beautiful tapestry that make us who we are. So what are the small changes? It's like, well, I just don't, I don't have to drink. So I'm going to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that I'm actually maybe not going out with, with friends, uh, going out late, maybe seeing them for somebody for a lunch or a coffee and doing something social that way. One, it's getting me out of, of the house. And two, I'm not staying up late. So I'm just paying attention to my sleep. Once I start fortifying my sleep, other things start getting easier for me. I don't you feel better. I feel better. I, I'm not stopping at a restaurant or getting, you know, a delivery or something like that because it's easy. You feel more motivated. Right. You can start cooking. Exactly. You can feel like, oh, I have energy. I can go to the gym. Yeah, it's all, it's all connected. Small little things. I wasn't feeling it for the gym, but you know what? I got to the gym. I, it was my drinking water. I knew if I just got to the gym and even if I turned around and went home, I made yep. it to the gym and that didn't happen. I just made it to the gym and I did something. Yep. I, I sat on a, a bike for an hour, perfect. which, uh, you know, perfect. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And actually boosted my mood a little bit. There you go. Yeah. See, so that's small. You can pull yourself out of it. I think we all have our days. We all oh, fall sure. down. And I think the key is, and this is where back to where we started yeah. habits, habits, habits doesn't mean we do it 24 seven. No. 365 days a year. That'd be weird. But what <laughs> habits help us with is getting back. We yep. know how it feels. We know it feels good. Yes. It feels good for me to do those things, yep. right? I'm not trying to establish the habit. 
of going to the gym. I have that habit. And actually, it feels weird when I don't. It's flipped, right? For most of my life, it was like there was no reason to go to the gym. It was a terrible thing. Now it's completely flipped. I miss it when I don't do a sit. I miss it if I I eat poorly and know that I, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay for this. So I I miss those things. I miss those habits. And so it, it draws me forward. What's next for you? Dave, there's a lot of things I know you're working on. A book. I'm writing a book. You're writing I'm a writing book. writing my first book. Which is amazing. Oh, and talk about habits. So the habit of writing is a thing. Getting into it and making sure you're doing it every day. And when I'm in it, I love it. Getting into it, God, what a pain in the ass. So it's a habit you had to establish. Yes. Uh, when I was very young in grade school and even into high school, I loved writing. Mm. And that was sort of beaten out of me in the corporate world. Nobody values writing. Mm-hmm. What they value is being able to speak and put together bullet points and to put it on a slide and to stand up in front of somebody else and tell them and read them a slide. That's in numbers. In numbers. Yes. So bullet points and numbers. Yeah. Writing and being able to communicate was beaten out of me. Rediscovering the love of writing, something that I had as a kid. Wow, what a good feeling it is to get back into it. And uh, getting into it is difficult for me. So once I'm in it, I'm in it. You get into those flow states and you feel like really awesome. And like I can just go and go and go and just produce and produce. And I love it. Getting into it, oh, that's a, that's a, that is the habit that I am working on, mm-hmm. uh, is getting into writing. So that's what you're currently working on. Yeah. 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 Writing on my book by writing on my book. Yeah. I mean, I write my episodes and I've been doing this for years now, but still. Yeah. I will clean the entire apartment oh, before for I sure. sit down to write. A hundred percent of the time. Even though once I sit down, I'm like, I don't want to get up. I love it. And when yes. I like, I have to go to a meeting or a dentist or something, I'm like, I don't want to leave right now. I'm in the middle of it. But getting to Getting into down. it. Yes. Oh, oh. it's funny. I love it. Every time. Yeah. Anything else that is on the horizon for you that you're working on that you see for yourself? It's uh, the book and promoting the book. So it talks around the book. And the book is about having a magical midlife and the transformative journey that we all go through. This midlife period where it is the perfect time in our lives to make any change that we want to have happen. Mm -hmm. And actually, if it's any later than midlife, it has all of its own issues of just getting older. And if it's any earlier, I don't know about for you, but I just lacked the wisdom to make the changes. I didn't know what kind of changes I even wanted in my life. So midlife is the perfect time to up-level and make this period of your life so great that you have a great rest of your life. Yeah. So that's my book. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll have to do another episode when For the sure. book is out yeah. and talk about it. Sounds definitely exciting and something that I can probably use. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people can probably use. I want to end with this, what, what is really your brand, Limitless Life, mm-hmm. the name of your website. Limitless, yeah. Limitless. Just one last piece of advice. How can we live a limitless life? The only thing limited about my entire company is its name. And it makes me laugh every single time I get mail. Because it says limitless, limited liability company. And I specifically... (laughs) wrote it out on on the corporate paper it doesn't say you know llc it says limited liability company the first recognition of making any change or living a limitless life is one where you realize that the limits that you have are self-imposed it's on you your limits are your responsibility it's no one else Here's the one that I run into all the time. I can't, I won't, I don't, because, and then insert whatever, because of my kids, because of my job, because of this, because of that. Insert 
because of my spouse, whatever it is. It's all of these external things that somebody says, I can't do this because of that. I question that every single time and I need you to too. The excuse that often comes up with somebody who's wanting to lose weight is I can't because of my kids eat a certain way or my job has these demands. And I'm like, well, you know what? I don't think either of those two things want you to be sick or dead. They want you healthy and they want you having an amazing life. At the end of our lives, on our deathbed, we don't want to say, thank God I spent all that time in my job that didn't support my health. Or, you know what? I made these incredible sacrifices for my kids and now I'm leaving the planet early because I, you know, nobody wants that. Of course not. They want you around. Everybody wants you around. They want you around for a really long time and they want you happy. That's over and over and over again. So what are the things that you can do today to ensure that that's the case? Is your family are your jobs supporting you? Mm. Not the other way around. Are they supporting you so that you can bring the most to them? So the limitless life begins when we say yes to change. And the change starts with us. It's always you. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Jenny. This is awesome. Mm-hmm.